Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on Podbean or Apple, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple, if you're listening on there, just share around with others and follow on there as well. We have X, Facebook, and Instagram. All you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow like the pages there. You'll get episode updates, news and highlights from across college and NFL football. There's a trivia question on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Now, college football day today. We're breaking down week seven matchups. Two for two on my picks. Two for two. Got two right. Got two wrong. Um, we're definitely going to go into South Bend because that that's I want to talk about that game for sure. I also want to talk about the the Oregon and Washington matchup. We're also going to break down some Week Eight predict, preview and predictions for the top matches of Week Eight, including the game I've been waiting for, Ohio State and Penn State. I've been waiting on that one for quite some time, actually, quite a few weeks. So we're going to break that one down as well. We're also going to go to the polls. Guys, keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy on YouTube. Like each episode. Subscribe to the channel on there. Follow on all the platforms on audio, Podbean, Spotify, Apple. Share around with others on there. And you just keep plugging in on X, Facebook, and Instagram for all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Let's begin. Let's just kick it off right now. Week 7 recap. Now, college football was interesting this past weekend. <laughs> I was thinking, what is going on here? And, and it's been like that for the past few weeks. Uh, we're starting to see a little bit, you know, okay, kind of like, okay, who's the who is who, you know, right? Um, the, the, in, in, especially in the polls. Uh, we got about a couple of weeks left, two weeks, in fact, before the college football playoff rankings come out. I will most likely do a, you know, recap reaction to those rankings uh, on a, the next episode of Pigskin Frenzy, uh, the day it comes out or, you know, the week the week after it comes out, but, or on social media if you would like to see it. But uh, we're, you know, we're about a couple of weeks out from the, the first set of the college football playoff rankings. I'm excited about that is on Halloween. So just tune into that uh, and trick or treat, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and if you, if you, if you just, Break it down. We're entering the the phase of college football where we're like, okay, we need to see who's going to stand out and who's going to, you know, you know, like who's gonna who's in it really, right? Who's in the really in the the race? There's a lot of people in the race. Uh, we got to give it to Georgia, right? Michigan, Florida State, to name a few. Uh, and we're gonna talk about that in just a minute for the polls, and we're gonna you know break some of this down. But let's break down Week Seven matchups. We're gonna kick it off with Oregon State and UCLA. Now, I picked UCLA to win that one. I said that UCLA just had to pressure DJ Ugalele. I felt like they did a little bit, but not enough to the point where they iced the game. I was wrong about this one. Final score: Oregon State 36, UCLA 24. Oregon State played a really good game. A uh, really good ball game overall. Damian Martinez did get the ball, like I said, but it was a blend of both. I mean, DJ Ugalele actually played a pretty solid football game, and let's kick it off with his stats before we go over to UCLA's and then break down the game itself. Uh, 14 for 24 with 266 yards and two touchdowns for DJ Ugalele. Uh, amazing game for him, by the way. He played solid. Uh, Aiden Childs, the uh, rotating backup quarterback for the Oregon State Beavers, two for two with 16 yards and a touchdown. Damian Martinez, 15 carries with 90 yards. Uh, Deshaun Fenwick, uh, nine carries with 52 
yards. Anthony Gold, seven receptions with 87 yards. Silas Bolden, who's an amazing receiver and probably one of the go-to guys for that Beavers offense, five receptions with 87 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the, t- the defense played well. They got three takeaways from UCLA, actually. So the defense on the Beavers side played pretty exceptional football. Dante Moore, UCLA's quarterback, got 15 for 34 with 168 yards and a touchdown with three interceptions. Carson Steele, their running back, 22 carries with 110 yards and a touchdown. Ball State transfer. He looks really good, by the way. Carson Steele, the Ball State transfer going into UCLA. He played a he played a solid game, but it just wasn't enough to ice the Beavers, right? So TJ Harden, nine carries with 47 yards and a touchdown. Logan Loya, five receptions with 48 yards and a touchdown. The defense got one takeaway, but, you know, just really couldn't capitalize on the game, right? They got to take it. They got one, at least one takeaway. They just couldn't capitalize. So Oregon State, and as I'm on my cellular device here, you know, going over my notes, Oregon State's a team that I would watch out for exceptionally. I I think they're a team that when you look at them and Jonathan Smith uh, is doing a great job with that program, uh, I would kind of keep an eye on them at least. Uh, Do I think that they're going to win it? I do not favor them currently, but they're up there on my list. Let me just put it that way. I think Oregon State's got a solid team. They got a high shot at making it to a New Year's Six Bowl the way they keep playing. They only lost one game. Uh, I, I would I would just keep an eye on what Oregon State does. That's a team that's, you know, looking like as the weeks go on, both sides of the ball get better and better and better. Jonathan Smith's coaching that team right. I don't know what's going on in the air up, you know, up, up in Beavertown for Oregon State, but the Beavers look ready and they're rocking and rolling up there UCLA four and two I mean listen they got a solid team they lost a good bit last season but they gained some of that back with guys like Carson Steele on the running game I I believe in their defense I think they got a a strong enough defense Uh, I think UCLA just needs you know I think UCLA just needs a little bit more time to rebuild and get things together and then they'll be off and running Uh, they'll be off and running in the Big Ten especially so let's see how they do in the Big Ten let's see how Chip Kelly does as you know he you know coaches up some new players and regroups for the Bruins. So final score, 36-24. Oregon State routes UCLA. Oregon State just looks a little bit more ready than UCLA. And and that's okay. That's fine. It happens. Right now, it's like that in a lot of other conferences. So when you look at it that way, you know, hey, Oregon State just looks a little bit more ready than UCLA. So final score, 36-24. UCLA gets defeated by the Beavers of Oregon State. Now, moving on, North Carolina, Miami. I said North Carolina was going to win this game. I thought Miami needed to do, uh, you know, get the clean up the middle errors. They did. They play with a little bit better, with a better, a little bit better with a better head on its shoulders. Uh, North Carolina. Uh, I said that Jake May needed to ball out pretty much, and he did. He did ball out. Final score: North Carolina forty-one, Miami thirty-one. The separation between these two teams right now is. Uh, I think Miami is still little, a little bit okay. They're a little bit better than they were last year, but they got they got some things to work on. That's okay. A rebuild's not going to take you know. It's not going to take just okay a year and then there you go. I hope you heard that snap on audio. That was Chris, by the way. That was clean. Anyway, so that snap was clean. I was just saying that. But anyway, Miami 
uh, you just look at them and you think, okay, you know, uh, it's not going to take a year to rebuild that team. It's not. I mean, it's nothing's going to. It's not going to be a you know, uh, flash in the pan. You know, one year for Sonny Dykes going to the national championship. You know, it's not. It, it's not going to be like that for for some teams. And Miami's one of those teams. They're good. They're better than they were last year. But it's just not going to be the same. You know, and like like a Sonny Dykes from TCU. Miami's getting better though. North Carolina has built up. They're ready. They are ready to go to the ACC championship game. We have two got two teams right now who are undefeated, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'll get to that in the polls in a minute. But we got two teams right now in North Carolina and Florida State who are ready and primed to face each other. Uh, and that is a team that, and, and when I look at North Carolina, this is a team that can challenge Florida State. You're thinking, dude, really? Yeah, they're playing like they can challenge Florida State. Let's go over the, the stats in the game, and I'll get to that when we get to the polls. Drake May, 17 for 33 with 273 yards and four touchdowns, 10 carries with 10 yards. Omari and Hampton, 24 carries with 197 yards and a touchdown. He also had two receptions with 20 yards and a touchdown. Tez Walker played lights out this game. Threw six receptions with 132 yards and three touchdowns with two carries with 19 yards. J.J. Jones, two receptions with 54 yards. And the defense was highlighted by Cedric Gray with seven tackles and an interception. And defensive back Giovanni Biggers, he also caught an interception from Tyler Van Dyke. So, speaking of Tyler Van Dyke, hello, good sir. One, an underrated quarterback in the ACC, but, and he played good. He just had a couple of two blemishes uh, in this game. So, you know, two blemishes in this game. 31 for 48 for Tyler Van Dyke with 391 yards and four touchdowns, along with two interceptions. Henry Paris Jr., the Ole Miss transfer running back, 13 carries with 73 yards. Jacoby George, six receptions with 125 yards and a touchdown. Xavier Restopro. Uh, Restopro had 11 receptions with 96 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Brashard Smith, three, three receptions with 90 yards and a touchdown. Cameron Kitchens, uh, nine tackles. Defensive back, Cameron Chickens, uh, Kitchens. He had a lights-out game. He played he, he played pretty solid. Nine tackles and a sack was the highlight for the Miami defense, uh, the U. <laughs> so, uh, listen, when you look at just break, I just read all the stats, and those were the top players from the games, but when you look at both of these teams right now, it just looks like from the 10-point advantage, Miami's going to play teams close, like a, like a North Carolina, they're just not at the right level, if that makes sense. They're not at the level above a North Carolina or above a Florida State. They're just not at that level yet. Uh, they will be eventually, I think, if they just keep working on recruiting and just keep building up the team and rebuilding the team. But right now, they're not. They're it's not. It's not like a okay. They've went from the bottom to the middle of the pack right now. So they're at the middle of the pack. They they climbed up one, at least. I think Miami's got a, a, a chance to beat some of these teams like a Duke, maybe, uh, or a Louisville, if they played them right now. But when you look at North Carolina, Florida State, I just it's not in the cards. It's not in the cards this season. North Carolina is just on another level. Now, North Carolina, they ready. I mean, look, when you got guys like Amari and Hampton, Tez Walker, and Drake May, Drake May is finally playing at the level and the rhythm that we thought he could play at. It's going to be a battle in Charlotte, and I, and I think that's where we're headed. I honestly think we're headed for a North Carolina and Florida State re, uh, matchup. I thought Clemson was going to be in it, 
my projections were busted. Uh, I got one projection right though. Florida State and Florida State still looking good as ever. Uh, when you guys guys when you have guys like Trey Benson, Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, the Michigan State wide receiver transfer, and Johnny Wilson, along with Jaheim Bell, a South Carolina tight end transfer for Florida State. That offense looks solid, but North Carolina on offense and defense looks solid. If anybody's going to challenge Florida State, it's North Carolina. It's the Tar Heels. So final score 41-31. North Carolina uh, route. Miami 41-31. Drake May looks good. Uh, they, he was getting into that rhythm, and North Carolina is finally starting to get into that rhythm. Like, uh-oh, you better watch out. Mac Brown's team is coming, and they are, you know, they're they are coming with a, you know, with a, you know, head headstrong on their shoulders, heart, passion, and ready to play some football, and they are ready to rock and roll the rest of this season and in the ACC. North Carolina 41, Miami 31. Moving on. Last two games before we go to the polls and before we go to week eight previews and predictions. Notre Dame and USC. I said USC. And a lot of people were saying, dude, why did you pick USC? A lot of people were saying saying that. A lot of people were thinking, dude, you picked USC. You're picking USC. Why? I said that now, it's not the time yet for USC, but it will be. It will be. Uh, I think I think they're going to get a touchdown uh, to seal the game, game-winning drive from Caleb Williams. I said, be patient. Be patient. They were telling me to be patient after this game. Final score, Notre Dame 48, USC 20. I dropped the pin, ladies and gentlemen. I dropped the pin. Let me just say this again. Notre Dame 48, USC 20. Let's go with the stats. <laughs> and then we will tell, talk about these two teams. Sam Hartman, 13 for 20 with 126 yards and two touchdowns. One carry with 12 yards. Solid in this game. He played good. Uh, Joe Montana was proud as, you know, he saw the knuckle touch going into the locker room. Audric Estime, 22 carries with 95 yards and two touchdowns. Chris Tyree was the main go-to guy. Two receptions with 62 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jabron Payne, uh, he called a four-yard touchdown pass as well. Uh, That defense was the biggest part of the game, though. That defense was electric. Uh, Linebacker JT Bertrand, he had six tackles. Stevens back, Benjamin Morrison had an interception, but he wasn't the biggest part of the game for this defense. The biggest player for this defense, and you probably already know what I'm going to say, is Xavier Watts. Xavier Watts was uh, an absolute animal on the field uh, for the Irish. Had two interceptions and two fumbles, with one being scooped and scored. Uh, they looked solid. They looked really, really good. Just overall, they had a perfect game plan against the Trojans. Now, let's go over with the Trojan stats, and I'm going to talk about these two teams. Caleb Williams, 22 for 37 with 199 yards and a touchdown with three interceptions. If you look at the Heisman odds right now, after this game, you look at the Heisman odds going into halftime of this game, he went from clear favorite to just fourth. He went to fourth. I will tell you who the favorite is coming up here in a little bit. Now, three interceptions for Caleb Williams. Marshawn Lloyd, eight carries with 46 yards and a touchdown. Austin Jones, 11 carries with 27 yards. Michael Jackson, the third, six receptions with 51 yards. Brendan Rice, legendary son of, uh, you know, our son of the legendary Hall of Famer wide receiver, Jerry Rice. He had two receptions with 18 yards and a touchdown. Taj Washington had four receptions with 41 yards. And the defense could not do anything against Notre Dame's offense. That's all I got to say, because they really, they, they couldn't stop them from scoring and they couldn't 
stop them from moving the ball uh, in a in, not, in, a, in a consistent rhythm. They were just consistently scoring and going and going and going. Now, breaking down the game, whatever the stats, breaking down the game now, Notre Dame, two-loss team. They are probably not going to go to the playoff, but if they did go to the playoff, this would be a good win for it. Now, if you look, uh, they're not going to go to the playoff, but when you look at a New Year's Six Bowl, this helps. This helps them go to a New Year's Six Bowl. A uh, good win for them. Uh, they play lights out. Good, good home win for them. They played good. They played good on all sides of the ball. Special teams, offense, defense. They played obsessionally, obsessionally well, especially well on everything. Exceptionally well, all sides of the ball. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Notre Dame just had a perfect game plan. They played lights out against a a white hot. USC offense. That defense for sure impressed me. Only limiting a defending Heisman Trophy winner who was projected to go back-to-back, in fact, in Caleb Williams. he They took the ball away with him three times, made him fumble. They uh, they were just limiting him to 20 points. That offense led by him, 20 points. That's insane. Uh, Notre Dame played, had the best, they've had the, the best answer for USC all year. Now, Notre Dame, solid team. They look, they have a lot to play for, uh, especially going into a New Year's Six Bowl. Now, what does this mean for USC? They're not out of the woods yet, but I will say this. I will say this about USC, and let's all just huddle, huddle, huddle around your YouTube. If you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube, huddle around us. You know, come on, let's have a huddle meeting here. Audio, just turn the volume up. USC, and this is the reason why I'm talking about this. USC's a one-loss team, but the way I was meaning by be patient, be patient, be patient, I honestly thought they were going to drop one of the other two games. I thought they were going to drop to either, or three games even. I thought they were going to drop to either A, Utah, B, B, Oregon, or C, Washington, or it could be all three. I don't know. I don't know. But when I look at it right now, it's worrisome. The reason why that people were dropping USC in the polls is because of the defense. I've said this. I've said this. You can't just keep on saying, oh, it doesn't count as a a conference game, right? You can't say that. Lincoln Riley said that in the press conference the other day. Uh, We have a lot to play for still, and they do. They're a one-loss team, uh, undefeated in Pac-12. They're still up there in the Pac-12 rankings. If y'all go and look at the rankings now, they're still numero uno. They got the most wins in the Pac-12 currently. So they're numero uno in the Pac-12. Second is Washington. Uh, So if you look at everything, they are number one, right? Okay. But you got to play defense against some of these teams. I just don't think they have the defense to do it. I really don't. At this point, it's one of those things that you hope for the other team to somehow mess up and then USC just capitalizes on that point. That's what you got to hope for if you're if you're a Trojans fan and all and you're in a part of the team. You got to hope for just somebody to mess up, and then USC just scores at this point. And I'm not trying to sound like oh this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, but it's the it's the it's the truth. It's the truth. They they can't stop anybody, and uh, and they haven't stopped anybody. And I think this is why the polls were so against them. They kept dropping them, and they're like and, and fans are wondering why are they dropping us? Why are they dropping us? But at the, at the same time. The reason why they're dropping you is they don't trust USC that much. And Saturday proved that. Saturday proved why they just don't really that why people just don't really trust the Trojans. So, I mean, final score 40 
48 to 20. Uh, I say that with a crane of salt, and I said that very hesitantly. 48 20. I was wrong about this one. Um, uh, I've been 50 50 this week for my picks, but this one I got wrong for sure. I thought USC was going to have a shot to win this. They didn't really have a shot at all since the opening snap. It, USC just ended up. It wasn't really a game, so I mean, it really wasn't a game. And Notre Dame kind of beat them, beat them up this game. Uh, take it and learn from it. But let's just try to improve. If, if you just can, if you can, USC would be a problem for any anybody, not just in the Pac-12. Anybody, even Notre Dame included, if they had a defense. If they had a defense, this would have been a lot a much closer game. I'm not saying the outcome would have changed, but it would have been a lot closer if the defense got a couple of stops in there. So final score, 48, Notre Dame. USC 20. Notre Dame looking good for a New Year's six bowl. They look pretty solid. They're the highest ranked two loss team. USC, one loss team now, and now we're gonna have to go back to the draw board. Tough schedule coming up. You got Utah Saturday. Cal, next Saturday on the 28th, November 4th, you have Washington on November 11th, Oregon and November 18th, UCLA. That is the remainder of their schedule, November 18th, UCLA. I don't know if I said that clearly, but that's the remainder of their schedule. Tough remainder, tough back half for USC. So let's just see where we go from here with USC. Moving on, last game before we go to the polls and before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy with the preview and predictions for week eight. Let's go with the game of the week. I was looking forward to this one. Oregon and Washington. I was ready for this one. I watched it. I watched it. Back and forth. Uh, I thought that um, I, and when I, and when I listen, when I look, when I look at both of these teams, I look, okay, these two teams are, they could represent in the playoff for the Pac-12, either one of them. They could. I thought going into this game, because I was kind of like, okay, how could you pick against Oregon? And it was hard. It was hard to pick against Oregon. I picked Washington. I just feel like Washington's passing offense, they just, they're so solid in the pass, and Oregon's really solid in the running game, but Oregon's got the most complete team, but Washington's got guys at the elite level like Michael Penix and guys like Roma Dunze, uh, Dunze and you got uh, you know Jalen Polk and uh, Jalen McMillan. I don't know. It's just... It was just hard to pick against Oregon, but I was right. Final score, Washington 36, Oregon 33. Close game, close game. I said it was going to be a close game. Let's go with the stats, and I'll break both of these teams down. Michael Penix Jr., 22 for 37 with 302 yards, four touchdowns with one interception. By the way, Say hello to your Heisman favorite because he is now the Heisman favorite in everybody's odds. Uh, it is looking like he may, he might win the Heisman Trophy for the 2023 season. Michael Penix Jr., ladies and gentlemen. I was high on him ever since he was in Indiana. I liked him when I was watching him when he was a freshman. Now I see him evolve at Washington. It's really cool to see. So four touchdowns with one interception. Dylan Johnson, their running back. Mississippi boy, by the way. Home state of Mississippi from me. Uh, Dylan Johnson, 20 carries with 100 yards and a touchdown. Rome Adunze. 
What a madman. Let me go on and tell you something. If you want to add him and anybody else to a Bolitnikov, this guy could do it. Uh, you got a lot of guys who are at the elite level of receivers. You got a lot of good receivers this year in college football. He's one of them. Eight receptions with 128 yards and two touchdowns. Jalen Polk, another good receiver. Six receptions with 118 yards and a touchdown. Giles Jackson, six receptions with 58 yards and a touchdown. Washington's defense played exceptionally well in this game. They played with a lot of intensity. Oregon, let's go with them. Bo Nix, 33 for 44 with 337 yards and two touchdowns, seven carries with 14 yards. He should be on everybody's Heisman odds, too. I think Bo Nix deserves a lot of credit for how he played in this game. Bucky Irving, 22 carries with 127 yards and a touchdown. He also had six receptions with 34 yards. Jordan James, 11 carries with 63 yards and a touchdown. Troy Franklin, eight receptions with 154 yards and a touchdown. Troy Franklin, by the way, another solid wide receiver in college football. He is He's a madman. I ain't going to lie. Troy Franklin for Oregon. Solid guy there. Tez Johnson, seven receptions with 71 yards. Terrence Ferguson, five receptions with 50 yards. Patrick Herbert. Oh, Herbert. That's an interesting name. He's actually He actually played in Monday Night Football yesterday. His brother played Monday Night Football yesterday. I think he goes by the name of Justin Herbert for the you know Los Angeles Chargers you know, quarterback for them. So uh, I wonder, you know, I wonder, you know, if, you know, what happened there, but no, I'm just messing around. Thursday, we'll talk about that game, but his brother, Patrick Herbert, two receptions, 115 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he played good as well at the tight end position. Oregon's defense played with lots of intensity as well. They got a couple stops uh, against the Huskies. Kicker, Camden Lewis, and this is how the game ended. Camden Lewis missed the last second field goal to send the game into overtime. Oh, man, tough one. Tough one, tough one, tough one. Washington gets away with a win, 36-33, after Michael Penix Jr. hits a last-minute uh, dime. Uh, a last-minute dime to Jalen Polk, and then Camden Lewis missed the last-second field goal in the game in overtime. Now, close game overall. Uh, when you look at both teams, Washington's undefeated, got a lot to play for. Uh, when you look at them, they're a clear-cut favorite to go to the Pac-12 championship. You got Michael Penix Jr., clear-cut favorite for the Heisman Trophy. When you look at uh, when you look at him, just clear-cut favorite to try to represent the Pac-12 in the uh, college football playoff. When you look at Oregon, they still got a lot to play for too. Uh, a Pac-12 champion, Oregon, one-loss Oregon team could very well get into the playoffs. Still, Oregon just got his guys. They just got to win out, right? They have to win out. They got to beat USC, and they got to win the remainder of their games. They got to beat Utah. They got to they got to win the remainder of their games, and then. Eventually, if Washington wins out, we say hello to a rematch in December, which a low key, I kind of kind of hope what happens. I mean, it, it, I, I really want to see another game between these two teams because this was a fun game and a solid game. It, no one played bad. When you look at all the whole game, no one played bad. They all played good. They everybody played good. I mean, it was a, a a good game overall for both teams. Washington just got the last laugh. It came down who who I mean, what happened? Who's going to get the ball in their hands last? Michael Penix capitalized. Camden Lewis got the ball last, but then it couldn't ha- it couldn't happen. You know, it, it, he, he, by chance he missed a straight dart for the field goal, and that's what happens. It's college football. It's football at its finest. They all played exceptionally well. I am looking forward to a rematch. I don't know about you guys. I would like to see a rematch come December 1st. 
Pac-12 title game. I'm ready for Vegas. Let's do it. Let's do it. Last Pac-12 championship game, a rematch between Oregon and Washington. I would like to see that, or let's see who gets in. Uh, let's wait to see what USC does, and let's see what we, guys like Utah and Oregon State even does. So final score, 36-33. Washington does defeat Oregon in a very close game. Both teams with plenty to play for. Both teams with excellent shots at getting into the college football playoff and potentially going and winning the Pac-12 title game. Now, let's go to the polls. That was the Week 7 recap. Let's go to the polls. I am really pumped. I'm not going to lie. Football is just flowing through my veins right now. I'm starting to sound like Hulk Hogan out here, brother. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of full of it right now. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Number one, Georgia. Uh, and this one kind of concerns me a little bit because news breaking out of yesterday, Georgia is now without tight end Brock Bowers for the foreseeable future. Brock Bowers injured himself in a game against Vanderbilt. He hurt his ankle this past Saturday against Vanderbilt. High ankle sprain, but he had to have surgery. It was a tightrope surgery to stabilize it. Uh, it was leading, almost leading into a fracture. So he had to stabilize it. Tightrope surgery. He's going to be out for four to six weeks, according to ESPN's Pete Thamel. That is going to be interesting to see how Georgia react and how Georgia plays on offense without their pretty much their best player on offense, Brock and Brock Bowers, best tight end in college football. Uh, they got options. They got Dominique Lovett. They got Wad McConkie. They have Ra Ra Thomas, uh, and they and they got some good running backs. But they they're out some guys. I got some guys beat up on defense. Javon Bullard's out. You got guys like Kendall Milton who's out. I mean, let's see what happens uh, for this Georgia team. They got they're a little beat up. I the bye week's going to help them this week. They don't play anybody before they go to Jacksonville to play Florida. So. So, Georgia number one before they go into Jacksonville. Much needed by, much needed for them. Michigan at number two. If you want to talk about most complete team in college football, it's looking like Michigan's the most complete team in college football. Number two, Michigan. They have been blowing out everybody. They are kind of waiting in the wings to see what happens this Saturday between Penn State and Ohio State. Penn State and Michigan play November 11th. Ohio State. And Michigan play last week of the regular season, Thanksgiving weekend. Number three, Ohio State, showdown, showdown alert. They're heading to a showdown in Columbus, home game for them against Penn State. We're going to go over that one in a minute. Florida State, they're, they could be very well on upset alert too. They got a game against the Duke Blue Devils in Tallahassee. So let's just keep an eye on that one as well. We'll we're going to go over that one as well. Washington, five. They move up two spots from seven to eight. Or some of some sorry seven to five after defeating Oregon in a very tight one. Oklahoma drops one spot after being in the bye. Number six OU. Number seven Penn State. They play Ohio State that we just mentioned. Texas at eight. They move up one spot. Oregon at nine. They drop one spot after losing a tough one to Washington. They played well. Don't drop Oregon. They played well, and Oregon does not need to be dropped. They played exceptionally well. Do not drop Oregon from the top 10. Number 10, North Carolina. Hello, Tar Heels. Uh, the team that will probably most likely will challenge Florida State in the ACC. Number 10, North Carolina, undefeated, 6-0, bowl eligible. Number 11, and has not budged for the past few weeks, Alabama at 11. They are still at 11. They have not budged. They survived a tough one, a, a close one against Arkansas. Uh, had, them, had them in the first half, but then they kind of let their foot off the gas a tiny bit. Arkansas 
Arkansas came back, uh, but they couldn't complete the comeback. 21-24, Alabama over Arkansas uh, at home, but Alabama at 11, uh, let's just keep them there, right? So, number 12, Oregon State. They look solid against UCLA. They move up three spots. Ole Miss coming from the bye week. Number 13, they play Auburn. Uh, and Auburn's coming off of a tough loss against LSU. Uh, we're going to go to LSU here in a little bit. But Ole Miss, 13, 5-1. They play Auburn at Auburn uh, Saturday on ESPN, Saturday night. Utah at 14, had a good win against Cal. Uh, number 15, Notre Dame after a solid win. And a, uh, play, uh, overall, just a good win, team win for Notre Dame against USC. They move up six spots. So Duke at 16, they move up a spot after beating NC State. Good win for them. Tennessee, number 17, they move up two spots. They're in a showdown Saturday against Alabama in Tuscaloosa coming up this Saturday afternoon on CBS after winning against Texas A&M. Tough one against Texas A&M. Texas A&M was physical, but Tennessee won by a touchdown uh, against them this past Saturday in Neyland. So, number 18, USC at 18. They drop eight spots. They go from 10 to 18 after that heart after that tough loss against Notre Dame in South Bend. Number 19, LSU. They move up three spots from 22 to 19. They are in the teens now. Um, and they played a solid game on Auburn. And they look surprisingly looked a lot better on defense. They look, they they showed out against defense. Granted, Auburn's offense is not the best this season. It's not the best statistically and on paper, but and on the field, and on the field, but it was a good defensive performance by LSU, especially after what happened to LSU getting put up 400 total yards to 700 total yards a game defensively on them. So I think that when you look at LSU, stronger and better performance up front and in the middle by LSU on defense, and when you look at them in the secondary, they played okay on defense, you know, they didn't play all that bad on defense, right? But when you look at them, so, I mean, when you look at them, you know, they just got to improve. They just got to improve on defense. That's all it is. They just got to improve in the secondary. Secondary looked okay, but let's just see what happens with LSU. They they didn't look too bad, but they missed a couple plays that, you know, they probably shouldn't have missed, right? So, uh, just got to get better, got to keep improving. Uh, their offense... Look insane. It was a long, it's been a while since I've seen LSU blow out Auburn in a way. Uh 48-18 win for LSU over Auburn. It was it's been a while since I've seen LSU just 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 be Auburn like that. It's been a minute. So LSU at 19. 20, Missouri. They had a good win against Kentucky. Good win against Kentucky. Um, so I would like to see what Mizzou, you know, does here and out they got some tough games coming up as well real quick going back to lsu i just mentioned defense they have a test on defense saturday against army uh triple option so this is going to test them for the you know army game and to see where they are in the bye week before they have another running test against alabama on the fourth the big game there number 21 louisville is 21. They dropped seven spots. Uh, they were 14. They dropped seven spots. You know why? Because they lost to Pitt. No. I mean, a big win over Notre Dame the week prior and go to 14, and then you drop. And that that's, that's hey, that helps us out with a tiebreaker for the ACC, right? Uh, six and one, Louisville. We just don't need North Carolina to lose. We need North Carolina to, to you know, 
<laughs> not lose a game, and Florida State needs to go undefeated as well for no tiebreakers to be in effect. Louisville at, at 21 now, dropping seven spots after losing a heartbreaker to Pitt. Air Force enters the chat at 22. 6-0 Air Force. They look good. They look solid. 23 back in it. Tulane. Tulane. 5-1. and one, They're back in it as well after a good win over Memphis. Iowa back in it as well after a strong win against Wisconsin. 6-1. and one, They're 24. Uh, they look like they're a, they're a prime candidate to win the Big Ten West. And number 25, UCLA. 4-2. and two, Dropping seven spots after losing a tough one to Oregon State. Those were the polls. Uh, when you look at everything, Air Force is surprising. I think Air Force is giving people a run for their money in the Mountain West. And they look like a team that will probably win the Mountain West if they keep playing the way they're playing. Disappointment to me was Louisville. I thought Louisville uh, had a... Had, was it was I, I titled the whole episode after them last week, and then they go and lose to Pitt, and it's just, anything can happen in college football. Congratulations to Pitt; they played an overall solid game, but tough break for Louisville. Uh, they were on their way to, uh, you know, some solid. They they could have been on their way to a solid thing here, but uh, six and one that pushes them back a little bit. But tough break for Louisville here. So uh, those were the polls. Uh, we're gonna get into you know more action for the polls next week. The polls are starting to wind down, and it's more about the college football playoff rankings starting on Halloween and for the rest of the season then. So a couple more polls, and we'll, you know, look at them, you know, for the next, you know, couple episodes. So week eight preview and predictions to close out pigskin frenzy. Let's talk about Utah at USC. Now, the key for Utah in this one. This is a this is you know the rematch of the Pac-12 last Pac-12 title game last season and a big time you know showdown from last year in the regular season that happened at Utah. So let's talk about this one. Cam Rising, will he return in this game? This is a big factor. I think Bryson Barnes is good. I think Nate Johnson is good, but we I don't know if we can keep doing the rotating in and out on quarterback between these two teams, uh, between these two guys for Utah. The return of Cam Rising is crucial. Uh, I think that is a key for them to win, honestly. That is my key for them, is the return of Cam Rising for Utah. Can he come back? And if so, can he play at a high level that he normally does? And if he does... USC may be in trouble in this one. Keep an eye on the return of Cam Rising. That may be the key for Utah. The key for USC, Caleb Williams needs to get back to playing like Caleb Williams. Not just the defense. Well, I've kind of beaten a, a dead horse with the defense here. I'm kind of I'm kind of now starting to slowly give up on the defense at this point. Caleb Williams needs to get back to playing like Caleb Williams. If Caleb Williams can just play like a madman and and you and find a way for Utah to mess up on certain areas, and Caleb Williams play, gets back to playing like he did, you know, earlier in the year, gets like against a Colorado team instead of how he played against Notre Dame, then USC will have no, I think USC will have no trouble. I think USC can win it. Now, who do I have winning this game? Close game. You're going to think again, really? I'm picking USC to win this game. I think USC does win. Uh, this is really depending on if Cam Rising plays. I think Cam Rising playing is going to be a big factor in this one. But give me Utah, give me USC to defeat Utah by a score of 42-35. 42 USC, 35 Utah, and USC wins a crucial home game before heading before playing Cal uh, the following week. So USC 42, Utah 35. Duke at Florida State. Let's talk about this one really quick. 
Uh, this is a close. This is gonna be an interesting game, I think. One loss, Duke. They played. They've been playing solid all year. Florida State, obviously undefeated and number four in the country. Here are the keys. Duke secondary needs to contain Florida State for wide receivers. Uh, you guys got you, you have guys, you know, on Duke secondary who play lights out football, but you guys got guys like Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman out there who are just lights out receivers for Florida State. I think the secondary and playing good defense against these receivers is the key for Duke to probably win in this game. Uh, I'll throw in a bonus key in there. Slow them down. I think if you slow Florida State down on offense just a tad, I think you could have a shot at either winning the game or at least competing in this game. Big key for Florida State here, they need to start fast. And they need to start strong and fast. When they usually when Florida State usually starts strong, they usually end up winning their football games. When they start slow, they usually end up winning their games, but it shows signs of okay, like if they played a North Carolina or somebody else, they may drop that game. So they're showing some signs of weakness. For Florida State, do not show signs of weakness. Start off strong, uh, finish strong, and ice the game. That's all you got to do, and that's the key for Florida State to win this one. It all really depends, in a way, if Riley Leonard plays. Because Duke quarterback Riley Leonard is week-to-week and day-to-day with his ankle sprain injury. He did not play against North Carolina State last week, uh, but he his ankle was heavily taped, but he was off crutches, and he didn't have any walking boot. He was not even in a walking boot. So that's some good news for Duke. But if he plays, if he does, it's going to be a close game. Who do I have winning this game? I got Florida State winning it close. I think... I think Florida State wins close if Riley Leonard plays. I'm going to give the score. If he doesn't play, here's my score. I'm going to lean neutral in the middle. I got Florida State winning 31-17. Florida State 31, Duke 17. Uh, I'm high on Duke, but I think Florida State is just the better team, and I think they're ready to, to show out and go to Charlotte. So Florida State 31, Duke 17, and a good home win for the Seminoles. Two more games, and here we're going to conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Tennessee at Alabama the third Saturday in October. Um, you got Alabama, sweet home Alabama, where the skies are so blue, Tuscaloosa. And then you got uh, good old Rocky Top coming into town, the classic rivalry now, if you recall from last season. Hendon Hooker and Bryce Young going out is battling each other. I watched that game. I thought that was an intense game. You look at them. It's it's it was an insane game. Let's just re, rewind it, go back and watch it. 52-49 Tennessee. They end up beating Alabama for the first time in so many years in Neyland Stadium. Now, the re, the revenge game and the rematch is happening Saturday with two different quarterbacks. Uh Jalen Milrow for Alabama and Joe Milton the 3rd for Tennessee. 230 kick CBS atmosphere is going to be electric. I can't wait for it. I'm going to watch it. Third Saturday in October. Keys to the game are this. Tennessee's key to win this game and to try to pull off another upset against Alabama in, in Tuscaloosa on the road. you got to pressure Jalen Milrow. You are at the top of the food chain when it comes to pressuring QBs and sacks. Tennessee is. They're third in, in sack rates. I don't know if y'all know that. They're third. They're third in sack rates in the conference. Uh, I don't know what their FBS records is. I have to go and look at it. But in, in the end, the SEC, they're third. They're up there. Tennessee knows how to pressure. All right? They know how to apply some pressure defensively. Apply, apply some pressure defensively. And I think that you got a shot at winning the game. 
For Alabama, pretty simple. And this game is pretty simple ball 101, uh, football 101 here. Alabama's key to winning this, There's a, it's a kind of a two-parter. Kind of goes hand-in-hand. Hand. Avoid penalties and run the ball effectively. If you run the ball effectively, like they did against Arkansas late with Roy Dell Williams, Jace McClellan, uh, Jen Miller, and... Uh, Justice Haynes, I think they're going to be fine. I really do. I'm not worried. I wouldn't be too worried if I was a Bama fan. But what worries me is the self-inflicting penalties. I would be kind of worried because there were some penalties late in the game that were kind of unnecessary for Alabama. So I would w- avoid those penalties and run the ball effectively if I'm Alabama. Who do I have one in this game? Close game. Close game. I think Bama pulls away in the fourth quarter, though. I think Bama pulls away, ices the game, and wins it. They get the revenge on Tennessee. Alabama wins this game. It's going to be a a much, I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as it was last season. Give me a 31-24 score. 31, Alabama, 24, Tennessee. I like this game to be fairly, you know, fairly moderately scoring game. 31, Alabama, 24, Tennessee, uh, I think they run the ball effectively well late, and they ice the game there. 31 Bama, 24 Tennessee. They get the win in the third Saturday of October, and they head into the bye week for a crucial you know, bye week before the showdown on November 4th against LSU. So last game before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy, Penn State at Ohio State. I cannot wait. I'm ready to pick this game. Here we go. Key for Penn State. Uh, the key for Penn State really here is this. They got to pressure Kyle McCord, and they got to find a way to contain those Ohio State wide receivers. I think Kalen King is solid, uh, solid defensive back, and you can you, you can you can line him up against a, a MUK, uh, MLK of Yuka or a Marvin Harrison Jr., and I would do so wholeheartedly. They got some solid receivers for Ohio State. Solid team, solid running game overall for Ohio State. Now, for Ohio State, they got to play some defense, and I think that's the key for this one. They got to play some defense, and they got to find a way to pressure Drew Allard into making mistakes. Drew Allard has looked solid, uh, you know, not only under pressure, but he's looked solid overall in games this season. So I would pressure him because he's in a hostile environment for the first, like, really for the first time in his career, starting in a big time game, big time, you know, top 10 game against Ohio State. Big time game for him. This is a this is a pressure feeling moment for him, and you gotta feed into his nerves. You gotta feed into his nerves and let him make mistakes in crucial points of the game. If I'm Ohio State, I would do that. Who do I have winning this game? I've kind of pondered this throughout the you know the week uh, throughout you know a couple the past couple of days. Who do I have winning this game? Close game. I honestly think, and you're gonna think. You're like, dude, are you serious? But let's, why not? I'm going to give it a try. Give me Penn State over Ohio State Saturday. I think Penn State does enough and finds a way to escape Ohio State Saturday. Ohio State loses a home game. They drop their first game of the year against a tough Penn State Nittany Lions team. This is going to skyrocket Penn State. This may send a message to Michigan. I don't know, but Penn State wins it. Close game, though. I say they win a score of 35-28. 35 Penn State, 28 Ohio State. Penn State gets their first win over Ohio State in many years. And Ohio State goes back to the drawing board with a one loss 
against Penn State, and I think it's going to be an upset. Here's the reason why I think they're going to upset them. I think Drew Allard is a good quarterback. I think he's not going to make as many mistakes as one thinks. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people Saturday, and I think he's going to get his name out there into into the spotlight of, hey, we just went into Columbus and beat him, right? So I think he's going to get his name out there after Saturday's game. So final score, 35-28. Penn State over Ohio State this coming up Saturday. I got Penn State upsetting them there. So that just about does it for Pigskin Frenzy. A big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to today's episode in College Football Coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below, Spotify, Podbean, and Apple, share around with others on there, and follow on there as well. X, Instagram, and Facebook, just type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates, you'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You'll also get, you know, and Trivia questions on today's stories for Instagram. Go and answer today's and all things up to date and all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. So, big thank you again. Uh, Thursday, we're going to recap week six of the NFL season and look ahead to week seven of the NFL season. Two big upsets happened this past Sunday. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to you know, talk about this, uh, this, this great, solid game between the Cowboys and the Chargers. And we're going to break it all down for you Thursday on Pigskin Frenzy 2. Until then, I'm Joel Norris signing off, and we will see you then. And for everybody out there, stay the course.